You got your. Uh... I have to reset that every week now. I just have to do it again. Yeah, I have to re because it, it loses. Once I shut down, I have to reestablish the camera contact every single week. Okay, so we're live right now. Okay, so. Oh, we're all live now. It says, it says live now right on my screen. That's really cool. Um, that must be one of the upgrades they had for Vimeo. The uh, Okay, so here's what we're doing, guys. We're recording our show for Las Vegas Real Estate Now for this weekend. It'll be on KDWN uh, this Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, you can hear the edited version of our program then. You can hear the edited version of our program then. And then uh, if you want to stick around here, you can hear the unedited version. And uh, when you listen today and or when you tune in on Saturday, you're going to hear uh, Rick Senemy and Ben Grove. Uh, and we've got a bunch of topics we want to cover today. Um, I know Ben and I are going to be talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, Ben and I are going to be talking about the possibility of sellers now perhaps needing to do inspection before they go to market. Maybe it's a good idea to knock out that punch list beforehand. We'll talk about that on the air. Um, we got a couple other things we're going to talk about. There's a new SEER rating, or I don't know how old it is. They upgraded the SEER rating on air conditioners now. You gotta, when you exchange your air conditioner or you need to replace it, you've got to go to a, to a bigger number now. And then maybe we'll find out what the heck SEER means. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure that Should out. start with that probably. Right? <laughs> we'll probably figure out what the heck SEER <laughs> means. We'll do that too. And I know um, – Rick and I are going to talk about some issues in, in escrow these days um, for documentation of entities, for uninsured deeds, uh, maybe even some probate issues. We'll talk about those, those things today. So an exciting real estate program today, guys. So stay tuned. We're getting ready to go here. Hang on. All right, segment one. Here we go. Welcome to our show. This is Las Vegas Real Estate Now, where we bring you the three E's, educate, empower, and engage. We want to help you to make your real estate decisions wise ones for you and your family. I'm your host, Harvey Blankfeld of the Blankfeld Group at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and we have over a century of collective real estate experience. I'm a licensed agent here in Nevada. My NRED number is S.00488897. On this program, we're dedicated to delivering timely, balanced truths about local market conditions. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. Today on our program, we have some outstanding guests for you. We have Ben Grove here from VIP Inspections. We also have Rick Senemy here from Equity Title. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having me again. Thank you, Harvey. Glad to have you guys back. Uh, ben, I want to talk to you first about a couple of things. Um, you know, the... The idea of a home inspection over the last the first six months of this year was kind of foreign to a lot of people, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, and while uh, uh, buyers, some buyers chose to even waive inspection, which I think was just ridiculous and silly. I, I would never, under any circumstances, encourage a buyer to waive the inspection because uh, the seller may not know everything. They may not be aware of a problem in the attic or elsewhere, or they may not be aware of a problem that's about to happen. We, we had a lot of clients that waived the inspection and then went ahead and did the inspection. Okay. Because they wanted it, you know, at the very minimum, at least for their own benefit. Have, a, have a punch list for themselves mm-hmm. yep. should it become appropriate. And yeah. I think that's well, smart. I mean, to a certain extent, except the only problem with that was they, could, they couldn't cancel based no, on your no. inspection. They, had to, they, still, they still had to proceed with the, with the purchase because they waived that contingency. So that's yeah. – but it's an interesting concept. Um, so, okay, so right now that we're in a – in a more balanced market, heading more towards a buyer's market. The idea for a seller to perhaps do an inspection before they go to market, what do you think? 
So this has come back. So this we didn't hear anything of for a, a couple of years because sellers didn't need to, frankly. So there was, there, there was no point. So this has come back now. So um, what, what sellers are starting to do is starting to do some pre-listing inspections again, which is have uh, <coughs> us come out and go through the house uh, just about the time that it hits the market, just so they know. So right. are there any big surprises that could come up later <coughs> on that could derail a deal, maybe cost them time, cost them money, just so they know as much as they can possibly know going in? And not necessarily all about discovering bad stuff, but maybe just getting some positive affirmation on things. So maybe they can be more accurate on their disclosures. They can have you know better information to put on your disclosures. Um, I love the idea of a seller doing an inspection prior to going to market for a couple of reasons. The two of them you just described there. We can provide a copy of that inspection along with our SRPD, which is the seller's real property disclosure, provide that to the buyer and buyer's agent so they see, hey, this home was recently inspected and here's what they found. And then we can tell them what, if any of those things we've already addressed, if if we have, and, and hopefully if they're 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 not too crazy expensive we've done it or if they're crazy expensive maybe we should do it anyway so we avoid the problem of having to reduce our price to accommodate it but i love that idea and and doing it preemptively also prevents that delay that's another thing that happens a lot if there let's say there's a roof issue or something like that we might get a roofer out there for for 45 60 days and if escrow is 30 that's not enough time so i think that's a great idea to get it done ahead of time yeah, and they they might be really worried about something too that that we put their mind to ease about. So that right. that they may say, "Hey, I'm really worried about the roof, or I'm really worried about the plumbing," and we may say, "Hey, you, you know, look, it's okay. You're, you're good." As a matter of fact, we just did one uh, with you where we had uh, a plumber tell us that he thought there was Kitech plumbing in the home, which would have been a real problem because <laughs> that that lawsuit's long gone. There's no money for that anymore, right. and so seller or, and or buyer would have to address it themselves upon need. And uh, in the course of your, your preemptive inspection, you discovered it wasn't. Yes. It wasn't Kitech. Yeah. Yeah. And that. That's that, big news. Yeah. Th- th- that one came up because a lot of people probably don't know that they did use Kitech outside the home. And there you go. And that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. We had a plumber fixing something outside and they were, they, he found Kitech. He said, oh, no, you got Kitech. So we're like, oh, no, now we got to disclose Kitech. It's going to cost us money. So it was just on the outside of the house? It was only on the outside of the house, yeah. which is not that big a deal, honestly, because it's not, well, we don't want leaks, obviously. But at least it's not going to damage the home. Right. Yeah, yeah and that, that was not included in the Kitech lawsuit. The Kitech right. lawsuit specifically applied to plumbing inside the Interior house. of the home. Interior of the home, yeah. So if you have Kitech on the exterior, you've got to fix that yourself anyway. Yeah. Right, got, got it. Okay, good. Um, okay, so doing it ahead of time. And, and look, honestly, inspection is not that much money to invest for, for, for peace of mind and advanced knowledge. I think it's a really good idea. I do. I think that, I, you know, when I, when I go through a seller's home, Ben, and nine times out of ten, the seller really believes their home's a lot better than I think it is, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> that's not always the case, but sometimes it's the case, I should say. Uh, and, and when that happens, you know, sometimes I'll see things. I'll say, gee, what's wrong with that? And they're like, huh? I don't know. That's a good reason to have an inspection done right then and there. You know, if I see a wet spot or stain, where's that from, you know? Oh, I don't know. Or, oh, geez, that happened 10 years ago. Okay. Or, the, or the fresh paint on the one spot on the ceiling, <laughs> but the rest of the ceiling isn't painted. Like. And, and that happens, too, sometimes. Right. And, you know, and a seller might get upset with me for pointing that up. What I'm doing is saving them time and money in the long run, because if we address these issues in advance of the buyer writing an offer or seeing the property, it's, gonna, it's money in their pocket, clearly, for a seller. You need to know these things. Yeah, it's it's always paid dividends. And even down the road, too, we've had instances where – 
Uh, the house then goes under contract, but there's been a, an issue come up later on with the buyer's inspection right. that, I hate to say it, but maybe they were wrong about something. So so they would come back, the, the seller would come back to me, and we would review things, and we would find out that there was maybe an error made on the process of the buyer's inspection. And that happens more often than you think, guys. I mean, inspectors sometimes get overzealous in terms of the way they look at a property, and they don't know. A lot of inspectors out there don't have your Ben's knowledge, and so they, they well, make mistakes. I also think I, what I hear a lot of is is that, you know, we, we talk to a lot of the buyers at the closing and when we're doing signings, and, and and they'll always go back and they'll say something with the process. And when they talk about inspections, it's, oh, I have this long list that they had to fix. Well, a lot of it was maintenance. Yeah. A lot of it was things that could have been right addressed on the normal trip to home depot it takes 10 minutes to fix that yeah. or yeah. swipe out something or you know yeah. clean something and and a lot of homeowners don't and i think that's a great idea just for refreshing yeah. of like apply, you actually apply you have to earthquake. change your, your air filter yeah <laughs> like, change yeah big deal you have to change that change that yeah please do it often especially when you're ready to sell and then you know earthquake stra- earthquake straps for your hot water heater such an easy thing to do it's a home depot trip and a couple of bolts in the into the studs of the wall and then you're done um, but here's the thing I want to emphasize, and I think Ben Ben mentioned this, and I want to make sure I emphasize this. It's important. Um, just because the seller does an inspection prior to listing the property does not mean the buyer shouldn't do their own inspection subsequent to uh, opening right. escrow. They should still do it because uh, maybe Ben isn't the one who did that inspection at a time. Maybe it was somebody, again, who may have missed something or overestimated or done something wrong. So I want buyers to understand, even though the seller provides you with an inspection they may have done just two weeks ago, that doesn't mean you still shouldn't do your own. And it's nice to have that validation. You know, maybe, hopefully, both inspections align perfectly. And the first one says, well, there was this problem, that problem, that problem we fixed. And the second inspection says, yeah, looks like they fixed that stuff. You're good. So you can feel better about the purchase. So I like that idea. And I, but it's important to mention, buyers still yes. get your home inspections. Yes. Don't, don't, don't think the seller's inspection is sufficient for you. Because, and also, things may have changed. In a two-week period. Well, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a who inspection's knows? a point in time that on this day, at this time, this Indeed. Didn't look wrong, and then the homeowner tried to fix it, and they made it worse. Indeed, absolutely. So. You know, and, and I think that, that when, when, you do, when you do one of these inspections, you're looking for a variety of things. Um, you would do the same inspection for a seller that you would do for a buyer, though. I, I, do, the, I do the exact same inspection. Same yeah, thorough the, inspection. We do the same thing just as if we were doing it for the buyer. Um, and then I'll tell the, the seller exactly what you just said, which is, the, the buyer is still going to complete their own inspection. Right. These are the things that would come up if I was doing the inspection for the buyer, of course. But then we have to break it down, like you said. We right. have to break it down into maintenance. And, and now the seller has advanced knowledge of what to anticipate, yeah. perhaps. Mm-hmm. And the buyer may say, yeah, I don't care about that stuff. I'm good with that. I, you know, I'm you know, I'm an electrician. I can fix that stuff myself or whatever. But the seller should know this is the things to anticipate coming up. Uh, and I think that's a great idea. Anticipate. That's the key. Word. Anticipate. Mm-hmm. There it is. That's what I yeah, I see. My vocabulary is growing every, every day. day. Every day. <laughs> it keeps day. growing and growing and growing. Hey, listen, um, this is good. I also want to talk to you about um, safety issues in the home and how we can uh, uh, update our listeners on how to, to investigate safety, potential safety problems at home. But you know what I want to do? I want to do that in the next segment. Let's, we don't have time. We're going to run a couple quick commercials. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Ben about some safety uh, uh, safety issues in your home that you can look at for yourself and see if your home is actually safe. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Good. That was good. That's a, that's a great video. Boom. Sellers, get an inspection before you go to market. I like it. The que- I always do, always do it with a question. In the video? Should, should a sell- and that's the title. Should a seller get a home inspection before going to market? There's your answer. Yeah. 
because that's how they Google it. Should I get a home inspection before I go to market? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly how they do it. So I think that's a good idea. Okay, let's talk about home safety. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, at 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Ben Grove from uh, VIP Inspections. We also have Rick Sandman here from Equity Title. Ben, I, w- I have a couple more questions for you, uh, and I really want to talk about something that you recommended to me that we talked to our, our listeners about, and that's home safety. So what kind of things should a homeowner be looking at periodically to make sure their home is still safe? So once somebody gets a, a copy of our inspection report, there's, you know, like you said a minute ago, everything on there from maintenance stuff to right. repair stuff, but there's always safety items. There's things that are safety-oriented. So I, I thought, what's the most common one of those? And it's got to be smoke detectors. Absolutely. Got to be smoke detectors. How many times have, have you gone into a home and found that the batteries just weren't there? <laughs> Yeah, they took the batteries out. Yeah, that thing was chirping like crazy. It was driving me nuts. I took the battery out. It was fine. It's it's at least (laughs) 50-50. It's got to be. But these are things that anybody, even if you're not selling your home, anybody can do a walkthrough check, a safety check, a walkthrough safety check of their home Mm -hmm. and check some of these things. And and, and smoke detectors are are probably the one of the most important. So a couple of things with those. They do have expiration dates. A lot of people don't realize smoke detectors do have expiration dates on them. I thought just the batteries uh, did. And the, yeah. It's a great point because most people, I mean, like the, the smoke detectors in my home are going to be, what, like 17 years old right now. So uh, It's 10 years. <laughs> darn. Damn. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not going to listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess we should change our smoke detectors yeah. in our house. Okay, so, yeah. that's, so they have a life expectancy of about 10 years. Yep. And, and if, they, if they were to fail after that, it's on, it's on the homeowner. It's on me because I didn't change them, right? Is that more or less? Yeah, 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 yeah more or less because okay. because as, as as they age, there's a, a chance that they may not work the way they're supposed. They to. They might, so that's the, but yeah, they might not. They might or might not. Exactly. Got it. That's okay. why that ten years on there. Plus, the, the the newer ones are just so much cooler, like everything else, because the newer ones do combination smoke CO. Most of them. They do both. Yeah, do oh, both. Okay, so good. You, so you can do both with one detector. Plus, a lot of the new ones have a 10-year battery built into them. So you talked about those ones that are chirping oh. in the middle of the night. Oh, oh that's worth it right there. It's funny. They always chirp in the middle of the night, never during the day. Yeah, and you never know which one. I mean, I, I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, is it that one? And I can't tell where the chirp's coming from. It's terrible. Maybe my hearing's not that good. I don't know. Um, okay, so, so, okay, so we talked about smoke detectors and, and uh, carbon monoxide detectors. What else? What else do we want to be concerned with in the property? You know, there's, there's a variety of other things. If you have a pool, you should do some safety checks on your pools. So things like your your gates, you know, mm. even 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 for liability purposes, you you, you should check your gates because you're supposed to have those self closing gates on on your yard, right? Um, and then and then look at the bottom of your pool and maybe see what kind of drain coverage you have on your pool. Okay. So if your pool is more than about ten or fifteen years years old, you may have flat drain covers, right? And those were moved away from uh, because of an issue with potentially, especially children becoming stuck to the drains. Oh my! Okay. And, and the, yeah, this is, this has been a, a problem that's come up. Okay. And and obviously, you know, very serious. Uh, yeah, we don't occur. No, it's oh it's, my goodness. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's a life it's a life threatening sort of, of situation. They'll drown. So, They'll get stuck underwater. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Terrible. So there, there's a newer kind of drain cover. They're 
inexpensive. It's more, it's more bubbled. Couple up. Of, yeah, they have a dome, like a dome top okay, on them. That makes sense. So if you look at them, and if you have the dome topped ones, those are the newer ones. But if you still have the completely flat ones, you might have the older ones. So man, you're costing me a lot of money yeah, today, Ben. I'm bucks, just saying, couple bucks there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Gates. Okay, and then of course there's GFCI outlets. Also, we should probably be checking periodically as well. Yeah, it's that one you have to push the button and it pops out, right? <laughs> is that the one? So, so, so the joke among real estate agents that come to inspections is they come and the first thing they ask is, "Where's the bad GFI at?" Because there's, there's always one. There's always somewhere. one. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, uh, almost every house has one that's just not working. When yeah. did when did those become that they have to be installed? It it was a progression. So initially, maybe in the early 1980s, late 70s, they started doing them in bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And then they worked well. So wet locations. So now right. think of any place that you have exposure to water. So bathrooms, kitchens, kitchens. exteriors, garages. So right. then they said, let's do the kitchens, and then let's do the exteriors, and let's do the garages. Right. So that's where we're at today is we should do all of those those wet location areas. Well, one thing, though, is is you may not have an outlet that looks like a GFI in every location. <laughs> I was just going to tell a story about that. Yeah. What happened to me, Ben, in my, old, my previous home, the uh, the sockets in my bathroom weren't working. I'm like, what's what's wrong? And, and there was a GF, uh, GFI button on one side, but I kept, but it wasn't popped. And I'm like, what's wrong? This socket's not working. And then I, so I called an electrician out, and he comes back. So oh, no, you, this this GFCI would be set somewhere else because they don't want you to just reset it right here in the bathroom because you could actually, if it's not working properly, you can electrocute yourself. So they have it set in a different room, and that just happened. Actually, just happened to me this week. My mother in law's uh, room, their GFCI went out in the bathroom. I got to figure out where that switches i don't know where it is it's not in that room is that that's an intentional circuit design yeah it is because you only need one on every series of outlets so right. if those outlets are connected together you really only need one in fact if you have more than one it may not work because they fight with each other there you go so uh so it might be in one bathroom if you have three bathrooms then that reset might be in one bathroom or it may even be in the garage sometimes if you have a two-bathroom house yeah the behind reset the boxes be in, in the garage. garage that's what it is it's behind the shelves i gotta move yeah. the shelves i gotta find that socket yeah. yep i once plugged in a freezer to my gf uh, ci in the garage and <laughs> was wondering why everything was melting and realized that yeah, there it is shouldn't have done that that happens yep yeah, I remember. I remember when we did our house, we we made them put a dedicated socket just for the freezer in the in the garage, and that's that's important because you're right. It, it, it happened to me too, Rick. Uh, yeah. All the stuff in the freezer was frosted, and I didn't know it until I started smelling something funny in the garage. It was terrible. <laughs> um, okay, another thing I wanted to make sure we get across to everybody today is that, is the change in in the sear of air conditioners. Now, I know Sear 13 was the magic number for a long time. Now it's Sear 14? 14, yeah. Okay, 14. first of all, what's well, Sear? Yeah, what is, okay. ben, what so, is that? So Sear is, is a, a rating of energy efficiency. Okay. How Basically, how efficient. It's almost like an MPG for your car. Oh, okay. Think of it that way. So how cost-effective is that air conditioner to operate? So it was 13 for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, starting this year, it's moving to 14. Okay. Uh, that's still kind of a bare minimum, though. So if you're replacing your AC systems, 16 is affordable. Okay. So it really doesn't cost that much more to go. And it'll save you money yes. in your electric bill. Yes. Okay. Yeah, going from 14 to 16 on a replacement unit is, is probably a good idea if you're looking at those. My air conditioners are also like 17 years old. So Mine they're, they're, mine's old. They're probably like Sear 3. I don't know. <laughs> it's not good. Mine, you know, mine looks good yeah. on the outside. It looks like it was installed right. It's nice. has all the cover. As long like as everything, you know, the... They yeah. covered up the the wiring with some nice paneling. I get they did a really good job, but good. it's really old. Really old. Yeah. Sometimes those old ones are tanks, though, man. They last, which is great. 
But you're paying, you, you know, you are paying more money for electricity for the older ones. For one that has a lower SEER rating, it requires more electricity, right? Yeah. So, so some of them look really rough, uh, but they run really well too. Yeah. But th- they're not going to be that energy efficient. You know, those that's are probably the thing. like SEER eights or you know, something. I think that's where I am. Probably like a, maybe an eight or yeah. ten is what I think I am. Honestly, yeah. uh, the uh, the neighborhood I used to live in, I would drive around and I noticed that everybody had old air conditioners. Right. And then when we finally moved in, I realized that. These things were tanks. They just they just did were not right. break. Yeah, and the ones that replaced it, they I actually had to keep replacing it again and again. Keep replacing, but these old tanks just kept running. That's, that's right. I think there's some truth to that. There's no doubt. You know that you want to, you know, and I and I don't want to say that manufacturers are thinking, gee, I don't want this thing to last forever. I'm not saying that they would do that, but they might be doing that. They're, do, they're doing that. I'll say it. I'll say it for you. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, okay, and then. And then, you know, there's other things I want to talk to you about, but I'm going to save that for the next program because I know we want to talk about uh, water treatment and, and replacement windows also in terms of efficiencies and, and things that we can create in the property. Uh, but, but in the meantime, I, you know, I just want to say thanks to you for, for that information because I think as a listener, you know, we, we fall in the routines, and those routines don't include always checking for these safety issues in the home. And you really, guys, you should. What I do is when, when one of my batteries goes out on my smoke detectors, I change them all. I don't wait for the others because right. I don't want to figure out which one. It, I honestly don't want to figure out which one it is. So I just like okay, I'm, I'm just going to change them all. Let's just go through and buy a buy a pack of nine volts over at Sam Club, Sam's Club, and just change them all. Um, so, which by the way, I went there this past week, and they only have their own brand. They don't have the fancy brands. It's just like should try IKEA. They I, have the uh, they so, have their brand, but they also have the rechargeable ones. Too. Oh, okay. There, so you, there go. you go. There you go. Good tip. All right. Um, hey, listen, it's coming up on the bottom of the hour. We're going to run a few commercials. We're going to come back. we got more to talk to Ben and Rick about. So, guys, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few moments. That was good. Okay. That was good. When you talk about efficiency, I always wonder. Carly, I think that's two videos. Attics. Is it two? Yeah. Okay. Don't you think? With Because, uh, so like, mine's an older home built in the 80s, safety. so it has to blow it in just sitting on top. But they did nothing with the rafters, yeah. 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 you know, except drive their nails through it so if you walk up there it's like you better put a hard hat on <laughs> but uh yeah i i think that you know there's a lot of efficiencies that people can do especially with that the foil paper at the minimum underneath the the ceiling there and oh the, yeah the, the radiant barrier the, the radiant barrier so if, if if you have the attic where you have the insulation on the floor of the attic yeah you can add more it's really easy to add more blown insulation on top of that mm. and then you can even put the radiant barrier on top of the insulation oh and what a great do, idea it'll do essentially the same thing instead of having to try to put it right. like up under on the, the roof right yeah. yeah you can add insulation and then put that right on top of the insulation but then yeah, what you're so what you're what you're doing do that is you're creating an oven above that that he's going <laughs> to be like cooked but, in that top yeah. corner but you've got so much insulation below below it, you'll yeah. be nice and cool well, I, the, you know the problem i think with some of these older homes is that you have so much the attics are great they're accessible you can get in there you can right. you know, do a lot of things as, and you know like mine single story so running electricity doing all that super easy in my house because mm-hmm. it all comes in that way and everything drops down into the yeah into where it needs to be but the issue with that is you've been up there so many times you've kicked it around and then you find spots that have no insulation on yeah it. And it's almost like why, well, and I hate the blown in stuff because every time you go up there, you're taking it down with you. Well, just buy, can you just buy more batting? Can you just do that? Yeah. Just put some just more batting. Bat. Yeah, roll it out. Just do the mm-hmm. bat. Yeah. Plus, I I just hate getting that stuff on me. Yeah. I just, I mean, I hate getting that fiberglass. I like the the spray stuff, but I don't know. I just, yeah. I'm still, it's a challenge. So you can do you can do the spray up under the roof. You know, up you, top. The, the, yeah. the urethane foam you can spray it up. Sure. And it's like, cave stalagmites hanging down you know oh yeah. yeah but if you have your gas is your gas furnace in your attic no 
Okay, then you're good. No. Because if you have your gas furnace in your attic, that needs ventilation for combustion ah. air. So you can't enclose your attic if your gas furnace is in your attic. That would be one heck of an explosion. <laughs> yeah. That I take be. that back. Something's in my attic. Uh-oh. I know. I don't know. If what the air handler's up there, then there's gas up there probably. There's gas going up there. Yeah. Well, I know there's gas going up there because my hot water heater runs from up and down okay. right there. All right. And there's something up there. Yeah, there's usually check. an air handler and it has it has yeah. the gas fur- furnace attached to it usually. Yeah. That's the way it is in my house. All right, segment three. Here we go. Segment three. We're going to talk to Rick now. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Ben Grove from VIP Inspections. We also have Rick Senemi here from Equity Title. He's their chief operating officer and a regular guest on our program. Uh, Rick, I wanted to, a couple of things I know that you wanted to bring up today, and some things that you've seen lately uh, in the course of doing some escrows for people, you're seeing some issues, uh, particularly you know, one of the ones you mentioned is entity documentation. First of all, what's entity documentation? What does that mean? So in our, in our great state of Nevada, they, they made it very easy for people to open up a company, LLC or mm-hmm. limited liability company, um, corporations. I mean, it's, it's very business friendly, which is great. Yeah. But it's almost at sometimes too friendly because to keep those active and running, you just pay your annual fees and you just keep doing that. Well, there's a couple other pieces that go along with it that when you go, if you own property in these, we'll just talk about LLCs or limited liability companies. If you own property in them, you have to do certain things so that when it goes time to sell that property, it can be done a little bit easier. There you go. Um, And again, I'll give you my disclaimer. I'm not an attorney. Don't play one on TV or anything like (laughs) that. Or the radio. But I can tell you what I always ask for when there's entity documentation needed to, to sell a property. One... Is it in good standing? We do go on to the Secretary of State's mm-hmm. website and we check and make sure it is in good standing. The second is we ask for typical operating agreements. Um, now, keep in mind, that's not a requirement here in Nevada as to start your company to have an operating agreement. Right. It's good practice. Yeah. Because we're looking to see who can be the actual signer of the company. Is it Indeed. managed by the members? Is it managed by a manager? Mm. And the manager is not an owner, but they, they manage it for for the actual owner. Got it. So we need to know that information, and it usually comes from the operating agreement or the annual list of officers that are filed. Which we have to file every year, right? Which you have to file every year. So normally we can get through that because as easy it is to create the company, it's also pretty easy to update it and, yeah. and get what we need. Right. And we may ask for a couple extra signatures, but we can definitely get that, that documentation. The stumbling block... Um, that we see on, on, on a lot of the transactions with entities, and it could be an LLC, an S-Corp, even uh, Living Trusts right. is another one. Uh, have a bank account, please, for that. That has that, that entity's that, name that on it. That is that entity. Yeah, um, I've seen that. You know, you're, you're going through the trouble of doing all this, and again, <laughs> yeah. I'm not an attorney, but I'm willing to bet that if I have an, uh, an LLC company that I funnel all the money that's intended for that through my personal account, that an attorney is going to be able to pierce that LLC and yeah. and get it beat if there's a lawsuit. Right. Okay, so have a bank account for the for the entity. Um, we see it a lot with trusts more than LLCs. Trusts, Most LLCs do, but yeah. trusts will will do the exact same thing. They just won't have a name a, a bank account in the name of a trust. What what typically happens with trusts, and again, I'm not an attorney either, but I know when we get the trust done, the attorney oftentimes will will help us to get our property 
into the trust, but maybe that's as far as they go, and they ask you to complete the rest of the things that need to be yeah, put they, into the trust. But, and one of those is your bank account. Right. My mom just went through this and did hers, and, and they did that. We, they did the deed, which I told her, I'll, I'll take care of the deed for you and right. we'll get it done. But the, they gave her a list, which was very helpful, and I'm like, go, go to the bank and do this. Right. Do this at the DMV. Do this with these accounts. And it was step by step, but she did it. And, and she has it. Good. But it, some it, people don't. They, they forget. They, oh, good. I got my trust. I'm done. They stick it in a closet somewhere, and that's it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that think that, well, the trust is me. No, the trust isn't you. No. The trust is the trust. You are you. Yeah. It's there's a separate two, entity. Two separate things. So the documentation is very important when it's coming to, to property because what we're trying to do is have a clear picture of who the owner of the property is. Right. And who has the authority to sign on behalf of that entity. And if we can't do that, we're going to ask you a lot of uncomfortable questions that you're not going to like. And you're going to think that we're getting too invasive. But people have to understand is we're insuring that transaction. So we need to make sure that you are the actual seller. This is why you're there. Right. This is is my main job. This is it. Make sure this is going to be a legitimate transaction. The the seller owns it. Right. Right. And uh, the buyer will hold title after that in whatever course they'd like to hold it. So Yeah, and the other thing with that, too, especially on the entities, if you're going to go through the trouble of, of filing an entity and doing it with the Secretary of State, just pay your annual dues and keep it current, oh, yeah. please. Yeah. yeah, I mean, those are the two most important things. Current status, a bank account. The rest of it we can kind of work out in between yeah. if we need to for an escrow. Yeah, right? there's a website. I think it's called Silver Flume. Uh, that that I go onto and all my LLC entities are there, right there yeah. and it reminds me which one and I get I get emails and I get notifications hey Harvey got to renew this one you got to send your list of this and, and I, it's really actually pretty simple you just got to remember to do it right and yeah. and they their silver films are really good at sending you an email they are they send no. it to you pretty regularly like hey yep. you're, you're due in May and they it's want January. their money and, and they want their money letting you know yep indeed no it, it works well I mean and you know I've seen it many times with trust particularly the bank account issue where the the seller says okay I you know sign all papers you send it to this bank and they're like well that's not the bank account for the trust and and things are going to be changing um a lot with bank accounts here from verification standpoints okay so this kind of jumps into a little bit of the wire fraud but in in combating that there's there's services out there that you're going to see a lot of title companies uh car dealerships a lot of places are going to start going to who send wires a lot we can start to verify where the money's going. Oh, and isn't that great? We're, we're starting to be able to do that. Um, our bank that we use currently does, but it's very finicky because it has to be exactly who's on, right. how it reads. Right. But there's other companies coming to market that are going to be able to verify that and check. And nice. in the past, you would be able to just you know, put down an ABA number, an account number, and, right. and the name of the trust, right. and it may have been going to your personal account. Nobody would catch that, right? It's going to get caught now. Now they're going to say, this and is not the account. This is not the account, and yeah. it's not going to go through. So that that's coming along okay. um, to help out with that, but it and this doesn't matter. You still you need to have a bank account. So. Absolutely, and, and make, yeah, make sure that the bank account matches the, the entity name. Right. Or, like what I did, we have a trust. Helene and I have a trust. And what we do is we added the name of the trust to our existing account. We didn't replace our names. Yeah. So now Helene and I and the trust all are participants in that bank account. Right. So we didn't have to really change too much. But you need to do that ahead of time so that when this is valid. This is great because, you know, people were fussing. Remember, uh, Ben, when you went to, to the store and, and you presented your credit card and they said, well, let me see some ID. 
Right. They used to say that all the time. And some people got really upset by that. They're like, well, yeah, you know, I don't want. <laughs> Come on, man. They're, they're protecting you. They're making sure that you are you and not someone else using your credit card. So right. it's a good thing. Yeah. It's going to take another moment. You got to dig in your wallet. You got to pull it out and show it to them. That's fine. This is kind of, I'm equating this to that only on a much higher level, obviously. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's the same. Where people are going to start verifying. Technology is going to be able to. Yeah to track and do all these things and, and it's coming. So. And there's going to be those that have never been exposed to any kind of wire fraud or anything of that nature. They go, why do I have to do that? You know, what do you right. mean? Why do I have to? And, and then we have to, we have to go through the process of explaining to them. Well, here you go, guys. It's on the show right now. We're explaining to you right now yes. at time. This is why you need to do this. And it's, and it's important to make sure these things match. So you don't lose your money to some guy in the, in Asia. Another you know? place. Right. Someplace. Another place. And I'm, just, you know, I'm not going to say exactly where, but somewhere else. Just another place. Yes, yeah, somewhere else. Um, okay. No, good information. Okay. So the other thing, there are also still out there a, a small incidence of uninsured deeds, are there not? There are. There's a, Uninsured deed is when you do your own deed. Uh, just caught that. You did, the, you, did the, you did the self-help online, downloaded it, filled it out, went in front of a notary, mm-hmm. had it notarized, went to the county, and had it recorded. Right. That's called an uninsured deed. It wasn't part of a transaction where there was an insurance policy issued on that transaction right. through the title company. That causes an issue because we need to know that that was valid. Right. And you, so you've got to find all the parties involved. We will find all the parties involved, and we will try and have it re-signed, or at least a document saying that, yeah, that is my signature. Wow. And we'll do a lot of checks, too, as far as trying to verify signatures. Yeah. I mean, we have... We, we have the ability to pull all recorded documents. Good. So we, we'll pull other documents with those names and see if it matches and right. do our investigative work. But at the end of the day, we still need the uninsured deed affidavit filled out. Make sure Junior's not selling Dad's house. Yes. yes. <laughs> There's an old story about that, and that, that actually happened at the— Oh, it happened at the bank with me. Yeah. So okay, there you go. Yeah. Someone tried to you know sell dad's house. Hey, I'm selling. I'm selling my house. No, my son went and got a new debit card, and they gave him the debit card to my account. Oops. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, we're, uh-uh. I didn't. I'm not there. Yeah. So. Hey guys, uh, we're coming up on a quick break. Uh, run a couple of commercials. Come back, and we got a lot more to talk about. So stay tuned. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, twice. 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 He went to the bank. He's got a junior. He's not even a junior. <laughs> not even a junior. He has a different middle name. Mm. He, in fact, he goes by his middle name. Mm. So, like, on his current ATM card, it says his middle name and his last name. It doesn't even have it. So he gave it to the teller and his ID. Right. The teller gave him a new debit card, but, but it linked it to my account, right. not his. Right. That's, that's bad on their part. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> they went back, like, two days later. I'm like, you need to go back in the bank and tell them what they did. He went back, told them they did the same thing. Yep. <laughs> and i still yeah. and i still bank at that bank so do you yeah it's hard to move banks I it's hard it. it's banks. hard I like how you don't want to it's not as hard i mean it used to be even harder i think because you had to get all new checks now nobody has we, any checks yeah. we hardly ever use check i mean i still use them occasionally but very very much occasionally all right let's go into the last segment here <clears throat> I've got this thing that uh, Jeremy Aguero did. I wanted to do this for a while. I haven't done it yet. What's he got? Let's see. Oh, no, I did do this one. Never mind. Forgive me. We did do this one last time. Yeah. I thought I didn't, but I did. All right. We're going to talk about probate issues and court actions and all that good stuff. That'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I have, a, I have a warped idea of fun. You know, it's just the way I am. What do you do on the weekends? <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I read title reports. You know, I'm, you know, 
We do prelims. Speaking of after, I got to ask you after the show. Okay. Off air about something. <laughs> All right, good. All right, here we go. Segment four. Oh, wait. Whoops. Segment four. Here we go. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702 203 1165. Again, that's 702 702- Two zero three one one six five. With me now in studio, we have Rick Sanami here from Equity Title. We also have Ben Grove here from VIP Inspections. Rick, uh, before the break, you and I were talking about uh, a variety of current escrow issues. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, 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 probate issues, perhaps that are coming up lately. I mean, probate's always a tricky thing with always. closings. So, so what are you seeing with probates these days? Uh, so probates are, are basically, you know, somebody has passed away and they didn't do any estate planning and somebody right. is right. going to inherit that property through a court action, which is called probate. Right. And and what happens is, one, it delays a, a uh, escrow. Usually yeah. right now it's taking about three to four months to do a full probate. Mm. And there's there's some good attorneys in town that know what they're doing and, and get it through. So yep. that's yep. that's their specialty, which is great. Yeah. Um, what we look for from a from a title standpoint is one: do did the property have to go to probate? So we can tell by how they held title. Right. Um, majority of the time, if it, there's just a single person on title and they pass away, it's going to probate. Yeah. If there's uh, tenants in common and any one of the tenants in common that are on title pass away, that portion has to go to probate. Mm. So there's there's certain scenarios that force it into probate. Gotcha. Um, but what what we're seeing right now is that. People are delaying, and I don't know why they're delaying the probate part. Hmm. So no one, especially if the house is free and clear, or even if it has a mortgage on it, if the owner of the home passes away, say say there's a mom living there and the son's living with the mom and the mom passes away, right? Mm-hmm. And the son's in charge of all the bills and he's paying the bills and he's doing everything. There's no one going to knock on the door and say, you have to probate this. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no entity that's going around saying that right so he could so still live there could, even though she's still technically he could he could live there especially if it's free and clear especially right you know, there's no no there's, there's there's nobody asking for the money there's no one trying to collect anything interesting now if there's a mortgage the mortgage may they do a lot of social security checks to make sure that the person's still living but if they're still getting paid they're probably they not going to sometimes too deep <laughs> right they sometimes don't don't do anything so right. one start the probate go talk to an attorney get it started mm-hmm. um a lot of times they don't want to do that because they know the outcome already. Yeah. So they know there's other siblings and they're going to want some money. Yeah. Or, so yeah. yeah. That that's part of it. But start. And it's probate. expensive. Probate's expensive. It by is. The way, guys. It is expensive. It's not inexpensive. It's a lot. It's a lot less expensive if you get yourself set up into a trust, like we were talking about before. We're 100%. not attorneys, but if you're if you own property and you have heirs, you want to get that property into a trust. Definitely. Definitely. So start the probate. Mm-hmm. If, if it has to go to probate. Get in touch with an attorney. Start the probate. Get the process going. Yeah. What happens is during the probate, there's there's one or two things that <clears throat> really in, in the short version. There's a lot of different variables, but we'll just say version one and version two. So version one is in my scenario with the mom and the son. The, the mom passed away. The son goes to probate. He's awarded the home through probate. Four months later, he has an order that basically deeds the property to him. Right. He goes and sells the property. He no longer needs any probate um orders he right. owns the home right right he went through it all so that's scenario one yeah probate is not necessarily just sorry to interrupt probate is not necessarily for the sale itself but it's actually right. to convey the property from the deceased to the heir correct okay gotcha okay. so okay. scenario two is he wants to sell the house during probate okay can you can very well do that sure and that 
throws a little bit of a couple steps in there. But for simplicity purposes, the first step is be named the administrator mm-hmm. so that you can actually sign the documentation, the contract, the listing agreement without having to go back to the court. Got it. So that's the first step. And then when you get an offer on that, it has to be presented to be, um, by the courts. Mm-hmm. They actually have a probate auction. Right. Um, and then once that property is sold, the court will issue <coughs> a probate order mm-hmm. saying that they will sell a property at this price under this contract terms to this person. Right. They're going to pay these agents this commission. Right. It, and my point of this, and I keep, and I said this, it's detailed. It can't change. Right. You have to go back to court to change it. Right. So we get it ex- exactly the way that we want it. We close the escrow and we follow the rules of whatever that, that order is. So those are the two scenarios with probate. But the big issue that I see with it is they don't start it on time. I see. They just wait and wait. And yeah. then they're mad at us when we say, you should have done probate three years ago. Right. So that's that's a big issue that okay. we see quite a bit. And then just guardianship is under the same type of situation. It And when I say that, I mean you need court approval to do something. So just because you're named the guardian of a person, that doesn't mean that you get to make full decisions for that person. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless you've been granted that authority, right. you have limited power of what you can do, and you would have to get court approval for anything outside of that. Yeah, there are different levels of, of power power of attorney that can be provided some of them include the ability to sell or the property or some don't right and some are specific to that only that and some encompass a lot more than that um so yeah i I think that's important that's a great point um you know i think that when we talk about probate the other thing that you mentioned there was the auction i want to mention that too i know we've talked about this before guys but you need you need to know that when your house does get sold through probate um they do have the auction at the court where anybody in that courtroom could theoretically outbid the price. Now, they have right. to do it by a certain amount. I think they, uh, they usually raise it about $5,000. $5,000. has to be at least a $5,000 increase. And, and they have to assume... The good thing about the probate auction is different than the foreclosure auction, right? Right. They, have, they, they get... The only thing that they're usually auctioning at the probate auction is the price. Right. Every other term of that contract stays in place. Absolutely. So that's, that's good. has some protections in right. there. Right, right. Um, yeah, and the buyer who's already in the deal has the right to go to that auction too, and should go to that auction. Definitely should to be protect there. their interest because and 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 people say, why do they do that? I mean, here's why they do it. I think that what happened in the past was um, when ho- when when houses were sold uh, uh, during probate, they weren't always done as an arm's length transaction. It was right. done so people were getting were stealing houses basically from the deceased, and, and it was really not good. So now they said, okay, look, in order to pre- uh, prevent that from happening, we're going to make it available to anybody who wants it. So if it's underpriced, it's going to get priced right. Yeah. My, my understanding is the probate court has a duty to maximize the value of the estate yeah. for the de- deceased right. as for their heirs. That's it. So that's why they, they have to auction it. Yeah. Now, you can avoid the auction if you're going to just have it conveyed to you. You yeah. don't go through that process. Right, right. If you're not so. selling it, if you're just getting it, right. grandma passed away, I'm getting the house, just go to probate, boom, it's yours. It's your house, yeah. It's your house. And exactly. once that happens, you can do whatever you want with it. Right. You can live in it, sell it, rent it, whatever you want. It's all, it's all up to you because then you actually do own it and you don't need to do probate anymore. Right. Okay, I got it. All right. Well, good. No, that's, I mean, it's valuable information. I mean, I think that um, as we deal with probate issues, and, and look, unfortunately, we've had a lot of that of late with, with pandemic have. and other issues. We've had a lot of that of late. And, and it's, it's an important element to selling houses right now. And I know that there's people who specialize it. There's attorneys who are really good at it. And there's other attorneys who not as good, I'll just say, because uh, I've been involved with probate issues with good and not so good. The B team. 
Yes, the B team. The B team. Uh, maybe these guys might be the C team. I'm oh, not even okay. sure. I'm not oh. sure. They they weren't even on the bench. They came out of you know <laughs> they were in left field somewhere. I don't know what happened with that. Um, but no valuable information. Um, okay, so having said all that, uh, um, right now we're settling into the market. We're, Rick, I just want to mention you quickly. We're settling into a market that's starting to. Uh, gather a little more momentum again. We're seeing just a little bit, just er, just a earlier hint. than normal too. Indeed, which, which is interesting. I would agree. I would agree. So, and to me, my philosophically, the, the listeners have heard me say this. I always say that our our market warms as the weather warms, and that's right around Valentine's Day. So right. we've got a couple of weeks still till Valentine's Day. When Valentine's hit, usually we start to see the activity in real estate increase pretty dramatically. At that point, I, I usually see an, an an increase, and it might not be activity increase, but. Once we get past the the MLK weekend, yeah, we see a little bit of an increase. There you go. We've we've seen that last week, and we're seeing it again the first three days of this week. So similar timelines, similar yeah. timelines. And Ben, you said business has been picking up for you too. Yeah, you know the last few weeks, uh, starting pretty much right after starting pretty much right after New Year's. Uh, yeah, there was a pretty significant uptick in activity, especially in the resale side. Right, because you know we we do different segments. We do new homes, which was big last year. Yep. We, we we do some things in the rental side. But the the resale really uh, picked up in the last three weeks. Yeah, I'm seeing it too. I mean, I think we're starting to see people. You know, I think, uh, I, and what I said before was buyers come to the realization that they may not see three percent in any time in the near future. Right. They come to accept the fact that it's going to be five or five and change. They're going to get out there and buy a house because that's still better than renting or whatever it is they're living with at this point. That's right. What a fun real estate hour we've had. Got to thank uh, Mark, our production director. Want to thank Carly again for doing such a wonderful job and our outstanding expert contributors today, that being Rick Senemi and Ben Grove. You've been listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. I'm your host, Harvey Blankville. Next week, we'll have another wonderful hour for you where our guests are going to be Mark Stark and uh, my partner, Cynthia Ward. Um, so if you ever have a question about real estate or any of the other topics we cover, just call me off there or text me at 702 702- Two zero three one one six five again. That's seven zero two two zero three one one six five. I have to say, I got a call this past week from a guy in Philadelphia who listens to the program online, and he called me. He's going to be buying an investment property out here short, shortly. So, guys, by all means, reach out to me. Happy to help. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, LV Real Estate Radio. Like and follow us on social media at LV Real Estate Radio. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us this week. Remember, while we seek to educate, empower, and engage with you, we want you to learn, understand, and then act. We'll meet you on the radio next Saturday at 11 a.m. Talk to you then.